Well, hey everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Fool's Gold Variety Hour. I am one of your co-hosts, um, although it should be known at this time I'm I'm submitting my my uh, resignation. Um, I'm I'm no longer a fifty percent shareholder. I now hold forty nine percent, which demotes me from co-host to yeah. um, the thing that comes under co-host. Uh, Zach is now fe- the fe- host, featured guest. Uh, you are, and I am the majority owner and uh, m- main host. I would say, Zach. That was Tom. He didn't. I don't know. Did you say your name, Tom? I, I believe so. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, welcome to the show. We're we're here to do some goofs, do some gaffs, talk about a lot of things that will mainly tie back to movies. Tom, would you you told me the story off mic, but maybe it would be a cool, cool little, cool little thing to maybe to to ease our listeners into this brand new episode. To tell 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 us how you got that sharp looking haircut you got on your head right now. Of course, of course, of course. Um, so it all started when somebody was like, "Oh, you're growing your hair out," and I was like, "No, you little bitch." Um, that's something my hair just does. Excellent, excellent. I'm story. I am not actively doing any of this. It just happens. In fact, the only reason my hair is this long is because I'm lazy. And then they were like, "Oh, growing your beard out," and I was like, "No, same." thing it has nothing to do with me it just happens i'm not choosing this and then i was like i should get a haircut so i left work and i was like i got time for a haircut because i got out a little bit early so i whipped over to a haircut place that shares a parking lot with the place that i work and this place is not a great clips or a super cuts or you know one of the haircut places that you know is for the working class. So mm-hmm. it did not have a working class price tag on it. So much to my truly astonished, aghast, appalledness, uh, when I went in, it seemed like a chill place. They mm-hmm. didn't have their prices posted anywhere. So I was like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, after tip and tax, we're talking 25 to 30 bucks for the haircut. That seems like a, a standard sort of haircut these days. Yeah. Um, it was not. It was, in fact, Zach, over over two times, over two times what I what I just yeah. quoted. Um, Indeed. And it was shocking. And it wasn't like I could be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not interested in paying that amount anymore. It, it, the deed had been done, and I had to just give them my card, and uh, and and that was that was my my very bad day. My day got even worse when on the way home. I stopped by an Arby's. I hate Arby's, and yet I got it. And hmm. I hate myself and everyone around me because of it. And I'm just a sad man because I have an overpriced haircut and Arby's. I would not have gone to Arby's if I didn't like it. I know, but it was if just, I if I if I knew I didn't like it. It was a convenient little thing on the way. Given that you have a distaste for Arby's, what did you end up getting at Arby's? A beef and cheddar. And an orange cream shake with curly fries. Three items that seem like safe bets. I for agree. Arby's. But you bite in, you're like, wow, this is altogether too much roast beef for one sandwich to contain. There is a thing with 
cold cut meat like that where the texture gets very strange the more of it that there is. I agree. Um, because you, you are aware of the layers of meat that there are, but like it is not the same texture of food that you would associate with that many layers of food substance. Like I'm thinking like a, like a croissant, you know? Mm-hmm. You bite into a croissant or any other sort of puff pastry, and you, you're aware of how many layers you are biting into. The fact that you bite into a sandwich that has that many layers of foodstuffs and it offers that much resistance and it feels so much different than a, a puff pastry, it feels wrong. I agree. I agree with you on this, and this is why Arby's is bad. I do love this an episode. Beef this episode was not sponsored by Arby's. I'll go it so was... far to say, as this, this show will. Barring some form of act, some form of active, an act of God, will this show will never be sponsored by Arby's? I would never allow it. Even if they came to me and said, "We want to put an ad on your show for a thousand bucks," I'd say, "No, I don't if, like you, and I don't want you to gain any anything from me, other than the twenty six dollars I paid you tonight." I don't hate Arby's as much as Tom does, but I stand in solidarity with him. Zach, if I told you that tonight, this evening, I spent $100 divided between my order at Arby's and my haircut, what percentage allotment would you have given to Arby's? Uh, barring the information that I know how much you spent on your haircut, is that a yes? Yeah, I'm assuming you would have been like, wow, he got a lot of Arby's. Yeah, I would have to think, given given your haircut story off the table, um, it given a hundred dollars to a lot between Arby's and a haircut of uh, of the style and uh, means by which I would normally associate with you, Tom. Mm-mm-mm. I would have to assume you bought at least three to four full meals at Arby's. Here's the other if, thing. If not, if not five or six. Here's the other thing. I should have known that I was at a rich person haircut place when my barber started talking to me about cocaine. It should. I should have been like this. I, I've just now put those dots together. That when my barber started talking to me about cocaine, I should have been like, "This is for rich people." Do you do you think that he has a cocaine conversation with every person who sits in that chair? Like probably. Uh, like and 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 the people and the he thought it might have been odd that you didn't engage him in the cooking conversation as much cocaine as his normal clientele the rich man's salt it's the rich man's salt the rich man's powdered sugar that of course brings me to my experience in the arby's drive-thru all right which of course brings me to this episode we have a guest we do our guest is a friend of the show. He's been on it before. If if you've listened to our show, you know that those are the best episodes. Our guest is Michael. Michael, how you been? Welcome back, Michael. Uh, I've been good. I've heard uh, that statement that you just issued. Factually incorrect. Excuse me? Factually incorrect on the uh, most popular episodes. Not factually incorrect on the friend of the show. Okay. I mean... I've got our, I had our analytics pulled up here. 
Listen, um, my cousin notwithstanding, Michael yeah. is 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 the guy. Our EJ episode, the one that we've released, uh, stands pretty. Is our EJ episode is our most popular uh, uh, episode as it currently stands. So, folks, I'm driving from the barber to home, and on the way home, I happened to pass an Arby's, and I was like, "Well, I guess this is how my night's going." But on the way home, I was trying to call Zach, the host of the show, on which I am just a featured guest now, mm-hmm. um, and I was trying to inform him that I was going to be a little bit late to start recording because I was on my way home from an expensive haircut. You get the details. Mm-hmm. Zach did not pick up because Zach hates me. So I left Zach a voicemail explaining all the pertinent information. And then I called Michael to talk to me on my drive home. Mm-hmm. Zach, is there anything if, about if, the statement you'd like to... I, I I would say that the main reason that I p- didn't pick up the, my phone was because I had set it down <clears throat> because I was watching an episode of Veep and trying to construct a dog crate, both of which I ended up doing successfully. But I can only multitask two things at a time. And that uh-huh. third thing was keeping it, uh, attention to my phone for it for a call from tom so it is not that because i hate you but because i was otherwise occupied very good so i'm on the phone with michael zach calls back i merge the calls i tell zach the information zach's like cool i'm gonna dip michael and i remain on the line i'm like michael i'd love to keep talking to you i just gotta quickly go through the drive-through now what followed stems michael's appearance on this episode because I go through the drive-thru at Arby's. And listener, know, know well that I myself work in retail. So when I am interacting with retail workers, I just try to be friendly and a human being to them. And be like, you know, just like, maybe even pepper in some fun little anecdotes to like, so they can share with their coworkers or go home and be like, hey, there was a weird guy in the drive-thru. But not a we- not weird in like a hey, way, but just like in a, there was a funny, like they can have a running inside bit joke about like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I finish my order and I'm like, Michael, I'm now done. You can talk again because I've received my food and we weren't rude to the people by me being on the phone. You can continue to talk. Michael just sat quietly and respectfully waiting for me to finish my order. Michael then proceeds to tear me a new one, saying how embarrassing I was in the drive-thru and how I, he had the audacity to be like, wow, the way you talked in the drive-thru is how my parents talk in the drive-thru. And Michael can now defend himself. First off, those are some really loaded statements regarding my statements on the matter. I don't think I was nearly as undiplomatic in saying all of that. I think my one driving criticism was that your orders in the drive-thru tend to be on the verbose side of things rather than the sparse side. Hmm. So you'll be asked if you wanted to make like a combo or something, and your response to a yes or no question will be, 
my good person. It would bring me the greatest personal satisfaction imaginable if you would proceed to bundle my humble sandwich order with the inclusion of a side and a drink. And if it was possible for you to do so, could you please substitute out that drink for an orange shake and increase the size of that orange shake so that it is on the large side of things? And it would give me the greatest pleasure if you could do all of that for me, humbly. That um, is very verbose. I'll give you that. Zach, you're the judge here. I am in this situation. I want to say, I want to say, I'm probably the prosecution. Are you not the defendant in this thing? No, because I'm the one who's charging Michael with slander. Okay, I am. I and I'm the judge. Yes. Okay. So in my defense, here's how I remember things going. They were like, welcome to Arby's, what do you want? And I was like, I would love a bacon and cheddar, um, or a beef and cheddar, whatever it's called. Um, big beef big beef and cheddar. And I'll and, allow it. And he was like, do you want to make that a combo? And I was like, I would love that. That would be delightful. And he was like, cool. That's a lot of enthusiasm want? for Arby's, Tom. And then he was like, what do you want for your drink? And I was like, I would love an orange cream shake. And if you could make it large, that would be great. And he was like, yeah, you want the fries to be large too? And I was like, you know what? I do. Quick question. Do you have spicy fries? And he was like, no, I have curly and straight fries. What do you want? And I was like, I would love curly fries. And he was like, I can give you spicy sauce. And I'm like, that's unnecessary, but it was very kind of you to offer me that. And then... He was like, okay, uh, is there anything else you want? And I was like, I would love to just confirm what is going to be on my sandwich. And then he was like, uh, beef and cheddar and sauce. And I was like, that sounds delicious. Thank you so much, sir. And then he was like, yeah. <clears throat> so I feel like I didn't do anything wrong. But then Michael comes at me and he's like, hey, man, that's how my parents talk to people. This, these are two fairly conflicting testimonies here. Michael, what do you remember? Surprisingly, I would say your account is actually probably above 90% accurate. Why is that surprising? I don't know if would I would you, have would you, as would accurate you... of a recall myself. Okay, so you, you expected Tom to perjure himself. I suppose so, but I don't think there's been any formal swearing in, and I don't think there will be any legal repercussions for any accuracies or inaccuracies in our recounting here. Uh, that's where you're wrong, buddy. There is no swearing in. Uh, however, I will hold any one of you in contempt if you continue to perjure yourself, starting now. Michael, when your parents do that, are you embarrassed? No, and it's not so much that they order in a verbose manner, but they order in a way that's inquisitive to the point of difficulty where they'll say things in a certain way that's hard to like fill in the boxes so you imagine like you go into a typical fast food drive through and they have like a form like on your w2 or whatever there's the input for box one two and three and they have what they're expecting to hear from you but then you kind of get into this like verbal freeform jazz that you start delivering to them. And like, depending on the kind of day they're having, 
they may or may not be ready to kind of like interpret your freeform jazz verbally on the fly. So the way I see it, the more succinct and straightforward and typically the questions are answered and the concerns are addressed, the simpler it is for everyone. Judge Zach, hmm. do you think it is better to just be simple and straightforward with a drive through worker or give them the time of their life with, and I quote, verbal free form jazz? Question. And Tom, this is this applies to your specific your specific situation. Mm-hmm. Were there cars behind you? There were not. But even if there were, I would have done the same thing. I can think of many, many more annoying things to do in a drive-through than what you did, Tom. Not saying what you did wasn't annoying or obnoxious or unnecessary in its own way. But I'm thinking like 2011, 2012, where people would perform musical numbers in the drive-thru and record themselves doing so. I do while not remember this food. trend at all. Rhett and Link did a Taco Bell order video that I thought was, was cute and funny at the time. But I don't think it would be a great thing to do to someone making minimum wage. I think you, your questions, your 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 the aspects of your conversation were requests for more information generally pertaining to your order which i believe is totally fair game um the last thing i wanted was for there to be pickles on my sandwich i don't think arby's normally does pickles on the roast beef well i had to be sure anyways tom i would say in this case you are acquitted uh case dismissed Sorry, Michael. Straight to jail for you. Seems like a bizarre legal system we have going on here. This is the court of Zach. Michael, you can file an appeal. You people should have known better than to bring your case to the court of Zach. You knew what could have happened. I don't think I was fully informed of the risks going in. Well, you can appeal to the Second Circuit Court of Zach. And... Uh, maybe I will we'll re-heal, rehear your case, but I need to l- let you know there's at least a three-year backlog for appellate cases, and so uh, it's going to be a while before of, before I can help you out with that. This, of course, brings us to our sponsor for the episode. It's been a while since we had one of these, Tom. I know. I'm doing a callback, Zach. We've talked about this. Yeah, we do have to do callbacks. All right. Our sponsor... Zach, our sponsor is a brand new French cooking school Ooh. where they teach you how to cook French cuisine. It's Ooh. called What's it called? It's called Attempted Crepe. Yikes. Yikes. I don't I don't I don't I don't like that, Tom. I don't like that one bit, Tom. Well, there are sponsors for this episode. I feel I I, I don't know. Uh Okay. Them, them, and extra moist yoga. I don't know if I mean extra. I mean, I, extra moist yoga is uncomfortable. The other one is. I don't know if I feel good taking their money, Tom. We already did. I see. Uh, and then, of course, sponsoring uh, Michael's portion of the of the podcast is I'd hit that boxing gym. As I understood it coming in. 
Zach was holding the 51% stake, you were holding the 49% stake, and I was um, writing, I think that leaves me the 0% stake. So not yeah. sure where I pulled the sponsorship from. Uh, well, no, 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 you don't understand. You you didn't, their, their sponsorship allowed us to have enough money to have a third person on the podcast. The overhead for bringing a guest onto the show, Michael, was, was is... covered by I'd Hit That Boxing Gym. It is oh, well, that was very nice of them. It is astronomical. Not a cent is going to you, Michael. It is all going to the production costs of getting a third mic set up and a third pair of headphones so we could have a third person on on this thing. So and you could you could think, hey, they have they've had other people on before. Couldn't they just reuse those supplies? And no, Michael, we have to get new ones. We have to stay with the times. We have to keep sharp. And that costs a lot of money. No doubt. Speaking of money, Tom. Oh, boy. Speaking of power and owning shares. Okay. We did indeed come to the end of a, a long and winding road. A four-season a four road of a little show I like to call oh. Succession. Succession is dead. Long live succession. Uh, I don't know, Michael, if you've seen it. I don't know if our listeners have seen it. I doubt anyone who hasn't seen it is much interested in hearing me or Tom talk about it. However, we're going to do that a little bit. It was good. It was a good finale. Michael, are you a succession guy? I have not seen succession myself, but I had read an article in The Economist recently that made it sound very intriguing good show it's a really good show what what based based on that article and based on what you know describe what you think the show is about um well the article wasn't bashful about what it was talking about so if i were to talk about what the article was talking about i might disclose more than you'd want me to no this is a spoiler free zone for i know for a fact some of our listeners are just starting okay their succession right. journey but it's uh, really good and it's, it was i i thought it stuck the landing and I will say that um, I cede my time to Zach. Good show. We've also come to the end of Ted Lasso. We've also come to the end of Barry and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. All the shows are ending and television isn't good anymore. And yeah. for that reason, we have to, as a podcast, announce that Michael will be taking over. Yep. I am I am uh, bequeathing my 51% share to Michael. Tom will be bequeathing his 59% share to Michael. Michael will be a 100% uh, shareholder in the podcast, shouldering all financial burdens and debts. Um, and uh, we will get off, Tom, with both of us, a nice and tidy little severance package, which... <laughs> I am totally okay with. This sounds like good. a Twitter deal. Michael, it came yes. to our attention that the viewers had a request for all of us, and I, I know before we recorded that I shared it with you and Zach. Um, they, the viewers had requested that we watch through um, a really good well-known little TV show 
Um, so this is the time where we all talk about the television program that they requested, which was, of course, Valerian, Planet of a Thousand Planets. Is that a show? I thought that was a movie. It is. Our viewers are not the brightest and best of Did you society. say Valerian Planet of a Thousand Planets? Is that not what it's called? I believe it's City of a Thousand Planets. This is my planet of a thousand planets. Um, I do so remember. I, I do remember this movie coming out. I did like, not see. What it. did you think of Valerian, Planet of a Thousand Cities? Um, good, very good. Uh, best in class. What was your favorite part of Valerian, City of a um, Thousand? You know, it's hard to pick just one part from Valerian City of a Thousand Suns that I liked the best. I mean, which everything sons, about it. Which of the Suns was your favorite? Um, probably Titus. Titus was pretty good. I, I personally, um, I looked at the poster for uh, Venereal City of a Thousand uh, Valerians. And I saw the white hot talent of uh, Dane DeHaan, better known as the less good Harry Osborn from um, Amazing Spider-Man, and Cara Delevingne, also known as the evil witch from the first Suicide Squad. I saw both of them. I saw both of them, and I was like, heck, heck yes, please. I would love to know what these two scamps are up to. And so I followed them into the town of a billion dollars. And uh, there we had a rip-roaring intergalactic adventure. You personally met Cara Delevingne on the set of Cardiovascular Heart of a Thousand Arteries? I I did indeed not meet uh, Cara Delevingne nor Dane DeHaan. I just, as I said, Tom, I looked at the poster. (laughs) And yeah, I but, saw them, but and I when saw you see them, you're like pulled into that world. Much like Jumanji, yes. I I am sucked into the world of uh uh Valerie's great big city. And um and I I to be honest, I lived in that city for a little while. And I saw the big fat alien played by John Goodman, and I saw uh Ethan Hawk as um the character I'm reading here is named uh Jolly the Pimp. A great name, a great name for an Ethan Hot character. Uh, I also saw Rihanna as uh, a shape shifting entertainer named Bubble, um, and uh, I just, I just, I just loved it. I loved to, I, I would just love to, just love to be there. Jolly the Pimp is one hundred percent real. I'm reading the Wikipedia for it right now. I give the movie two and a half planets. Out of one city. I also have to say that Luke Besson, the director of uh, The Big City and The Little Valerian, uh, reading his Wikipedia, seems like a great, normal guy who has had some really great and normal, healthy relationships with women around his own age. Um, And uh, not, not a single allegation to be seen with this fella. And so... It's one of those um, times where you get to the Wikipedia page and you see allegations and you're like, uh-oh, but then you click the drop-down bar and nothing appears and you're like, says, oh. 
it just says none. It's just absolutely none. I was like, yeah, me, uh, yeah, that's that's my guy. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I don't know what else you wanted to do with this. This movie. Uh, we just we just had to. We always have to talk about what the viewers request us watch. This is fair. Um, now this movie cost over two hundred million dollars. Um, it didn't get a dime from me. It did not get a dime from me either. Uh, apparently, apparently internationally, it made uh, its bu- budget back, and more or less that was it. Michael. So, yes. Do you know who directed Casablanca? Oh no. You know, I honestly couldn't say. I do. I do. You want to know who else doesn't, Michael? You want to know who doesn't know who directed Casablanca? Who doesn't know Casablanca's director, Zach Erickson? Academy Award winner and people person we all liked a year ago and then dis- and then with increasingly good reason every day uh decide that we increasingly don't like one Mr. Taika Waititi. Mm. There is an epidemic among uh, Marvel directors, uh, and basically I'm mostly talking about um, the Russo brothers and Mr. Waititi, of uh, one, making pretty bad movies within the last couple years, and two, having a seemingly unending hatred for the art form in which they work. Let me give a slight addendum to that. Both the Russos and Taika Waititi make really good stuff pre-Marvel that yeah. make hit-or-miss Marvel things. When they hit, it's very good. When they yes. miss, it's neutral to bad. And then post-Marvel make just bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think the best thing the Russos have done post-Marvel is like be producers on Everything Everywhere all at once. And the best thing that Waititi has done post-Marvel is being in uh, Our Flag Means Death. I think those are the only good things they have done, respectively. So Taika Waititi, just to catch everyone up, said that he no one will remember him in a couple decades, just like no one remembers the guy who directed Casablanca, but that his art will live on in our minds forever but he will be unknown. Yeah. Michael Curtiz directed Casablanca. Michael Curtiz, a very prolific uh, uh, director of the, between the 30s and the 50s, made a, made a ton, ton if of If it movies. makes anyone feel better, I also didn't know who directed Casablanca. Um, I also don't even, like, I know who directed Citizen Kane, but it's not weird to me if people don't, is what I, I mean. The person who directed, wrote, and starred in Citizen Kane are all the same person. Yes. It is the well, co wrote. Uh, there is a full movie about whether or not that person actually wrote Citizen Kane. Because but, God is truly the author of all things. True. And, and also, none of us uh, have ever Joseph written Mankiewicz. anything, if you think of it. How does one even write? Who can say? You can't. Michael. Yes. It's come to my attention that you have several questions you'd like to pose to Zachary. Yeah, so there are a couple of Touchstone movies, and I know Zach to be a person who only strikes me as someone who might have seen a movie or two 
at some point in the not-so-distant past. And as a result of that, might be a person who holds certain opinions about movies that I myself have not seen. Or have recently seen. Okay. So you talk about like some of the common film history and some of the the big names and like movies. Oh, you haven't seen that movie? You, what are you doing? You gotta go out and see that movie. What, what are you wasting your time on? I try not to so, be like that. I used to yeah. be. I used to be like that. Um. Uh, I mean, I, I will recommend things to people all the time, but I, I don't try to shame anyone for not having seen a, a movie or at least a popular or respected movie if they haven't seen it. People don't get to things at different times in their lives. So, right. So two of the movies that are kind of on that, like, universal bucket list of movies mm-hmm. are Fight Club and uh, The Breakfast Club. The, cl- the, I, club, the club movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess they are both club movies. Yeah. I don't think there are any. I don't think there's Gladiator Club. I think it's just Gladiator that might be also be on that list. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, yeah. It, it has been a while since I saw either any of these three. Right. Uh, I will have to say. But I have to say, upon watching The Breakfast Club and Fight Club, my overwhelming feeling after having seen those movies was I don't know that I'm understanding why these movies are so prolific and influential. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would agree on the breakfast club. It is not my favorite John Hughes movie. It is not. Um, it is not. I, I generally don't care much for movies and TV shows set in high school or that are about, high schoolers i didn't i did not have a great time in my life during those years and i don't often relate to people or at least fictional characters who are in that period of their lives themselves so that is that is the breakfast club i i understand the merits of it it's it's funny it's about different people finding uh commonalities or whatever and and like becoming friends despite their differences i i think it's not for me but i i get why someone would like it fight club um is uh is a bit of a tricky one because i think the a lot of the people that like it are among those that tom when we had our episode with the red flag movies uh section I feel like that is another movie that I think a lot of people misunderstand. Um, cause I think, I think it's, it's tirade about, uh, like repressed man- uh, masculinity and capitalism. I think there are things in there that are valid, but I think a lot of people just take it as an excuse to adopt, <clears throat> adopt those, those mindsets excuse me, to adopt those mindsets and like make it into their personality. And that's how you get like a, um, like a, uh, like an Andrew Tate almost sort of character. Who's just like, I don't give a care about anyone. And also I'm like a cool buff badass who likes to bang chicks. And I was like, that's not what the movie's really about. I don't think the movie's about like a guy who is fed up with his life and chooses like the most destructive path for himself possible. 
and 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 it is shown to him multiple times how destructive it is and he uh despite that he still like gets a rush from it and won't leave it and so uh that i those those are my two reads on the, that film those two um and i th- i think a lot of the like like the 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 people who like fight club don't always understand it um and then for gladiator it's just a good historical epic we don't get those very often anymore um we are getting a gladiator 2 sometime in the near future which i'm excited about uh and yeah that's that's what i got for you michael okay michael i'd love it if you pitched gladiator 2 um you know i haven't seen the first one yet but i think i've got some ideas of what a second gladiator movie could possibly look like just so you know the sequel to gladiator is called gladiators it might be oh like right. the alien aliens sequel yeah. school ridley scott okay. ridley scott who uh directed gladiator and directed the first alien took a page out of James Cameron's book and James Cameron who directed Aliens aka Aliens 2 is he walked into the boardroom at Warner Brothers and he wrote Gladiator on the board and all the execs were like hmm and then he wrote an S and he made it into a dollar sign and all the execs were were throwing up and cheering and pooping their pants and they're like yes yes make this movie put Pedro Pascal in it put Denzel Washington in it Put Paul Oscar nominee Paul Mescal in it. Put uh, uh, Joseph Quinn, aka Eddie from Stranger Things, put him in it. And so Gladiator Two is due to be out next year because Denzel, because Ridley Scott makes movies in a period of like three weeks now. Ridley Scott and Clint Eastwood pump movies out like nothing. Like as soon as they say they want to make a movie, that movie will probably be done within two months. All this to say, the gladiators pitch, Michael. Yes. Let me rephrase. He went into Universal and did that, not Warner Brothers. Gladiator was a Universal production. Let me rephrase Zach's rephrasal. He went into uh, Warner Brothers and did that, and they said no. No. Then he went to Universal, and they were like, yeah. Warner Brothers doesn't green like cool things anymore, so... That makes sense. So I'm ready for the gladiators. Please. Right. So like broad strokes, without getting too specific, I can't give you like the storyboard information on this one. But I'm thinking like this guy in Gladiator 1, he was like a slave and he was like married or something. And his union led to him offending a senator, I believe. But by the end of the first movie, all that was hashed out. And he kind of like walked off into the sunset and did a fist bump while Don't You Forget About Me was blaring in the backgrounds. I'm afraid... That is uh, my exact recollection of Gladiator. So, a few things regarding Gladiator. Uh, Whatever Zach's about to say, he's misremembering it. We're talking about a movie in which a slave becomes a gladiator. Uh, That would be Spartacus. However, in the movie Gladiator, it is about a Roman general who becomes a gladiator. Uh, And I believe in both Spartacus and Gladiator, the main characters do, in fact, die by the end of it, as most gladiators did. 
as as I would say, all gla- Roman gladiators did did in fact die. Maybe not in the in combat, but they did all die. So I suppose I couldn't dispute that. So I guess first off, we have to determine: is this going to be a prequel to Gladiator, where like? gladiators is very much not going to be about gladiatorial combat at all since he was a general at this point in time and we can have him fighting like barbarian people or are we going to do like alternate universe gladiator where like hey but what if things didn't go exactly the same or are we going to do zombie gladiators where it's it's like is russell crowe back tom it's a it's a great question and the answer is it's set in hell and he's a gladiator for Satan. Is is it Russell Crowe? Yes. Awesome. Is it current day Russell Crowe? Yes. Yes. I'm on board. I, I'm 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 open for this. I like this. Is Russell Crowe to jog my memory because I intermingle Russell Crowe and Mel Gibson a lot in my mind. Is Russell Crowe the one who we are supposed to dislike singing in Les Mis? Yes. Yes. The okay. one, the one who has a, a surly personality, but has yet to say any bad things about women or Jews in public. <laughs> the the one who might be a little bit abrasive, but is not like highly controversial. Yeah, he's a he's a prickly fella, but not, uh, but not as problematic as Mel Gibson. Okay, so that's a good start. We do like we do stand heroes that are not controversial at their inception yeah i do want to let you know tom um uh musician nick cave of the band the bad seeds Uh did in fact uh write a script for what he wanted a gladiator sequel to be and it was called uh gladiator colon christ killer and it was about russell crowe's character post-death being approached by the pagan gods of ancient rome and ancient greece and him and resurrecting him in order to send him back in time to kill Jesus. I would. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and and according to Wikipedia here, um, uh, Russell Crowe's character would thus would then be cursed to live forever, fighting in the Crusades, World War II, and in Vietnam, and eventually ending as him now working at a desk job in the Pentagon. That sounds wild. And it sounds like a movie I could get behind. I don't know if this was ever um, legitimately considered by a studio, but Nick Cave was a big believer in it. Speaking of problematic people who say problematic things. Okay. Here's a topic we've never talked about on this podcast. So Taylor Swift is, is currently in a relationship with someone. Yes. Uh, Matt Healy of the 1975. Um, yeah. So timeline of events, as I understand them, as somebody who knows very little about Taylor Swift. I try to keep my nose out of any Taylor Swift business, Tom. I, I, right. it, is, it is not, it is not, knowing anything about Taylor Swift is none of, is none of my business. I do not want to be involved. So, so take this from, from two, Michael, do you how much do you know about Taylor Swift? Um, as much as the layperson, which is to say probably not much at all. I'll say okay. I'm so, I general I'm generally okay with her music. So take it from three dudes who know marginally little about 
Taylor Swift. So she's dating this guy, Joe or Joel Alwyn, actor. Yeah, actor Joe Alwyn. A pretty and good actor. They've been, they've been together for, I want to say, five years. Five plus years. She then calls things off with him or he calls things off with her. It is unclear. Uh, and within about a month of the breakup is with a guy who is so unbelievably racist and misogynistic. It is not even, it is truly mind blowing. Um, and the racist guy, now that he's dating Taylor Swift and people are like trying to learn more about him and people are like, Oh wow. Look at all this stuff that he says and does. And he's a bad guy keeps doubling down on everything and being like, oh, it's not a big deal that I say bad things like that. And Taylor Swift's solution to this problem was, <laughs> I'm going to release a new single that features a black artist so everyone knows that I'm cool. Yeah. That's so, my understanding of what's happened. So what I'm seeing here is that Matt Healy is... Is 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 the kind of person who probably believes, or like endorses the correct political, uh, not the correct political things, but politi like is politically minded in a similar way to you or me, Tom, but has the world's edgiest sense of humor, and does not know when to when when like things are in bad taste, or maybe doesn't care when things are in bad taste. And uh, is thus making a lot of jokes and or statements that he is not himself taking seriously. But uh, many, many people are. And he is not uh, reciprocating those concerns or addressing the, con the concerns that other people have with, like, his whole deal. Um, that said... Uh, Taylor Swift did just do a song with uh, Ice Spice, who is uh, of uh, African American ancestry. So, um, who not who a lot? Ice Ice Spice specifically. Ice Spice specifically is a person of color who Matt Healy, Taylor Swift's current boyfriend, has said some very charged things about. Yes, and then he. Uh, I'm reading here in a, a concert. Uh, within the last month, he, he did publicly apologize. Just seems like a bit of a mess. Yeah, he's not the kind of person I'd want to hitch my wagon to. You know? So. Uh, it does sound interesting to this layperson who knows marginally as much about Taylor Swift as the other two in this group, apparently less, since I don't know about this Healy character. Yeah, because I'd recently seen something that was implying that Taylor Swift seemed to have a fair amount of savvy in not getting acquainted with the uh, Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of that fund at the moment. Uh, at FTX, I believe. Yes. Uh, she was approached with a healthy sponsorship deal, as were many other people like Tom mm. Brady and Larry, Larry David. And yeah, apparently Larry. Taylor Swift was like, yeah not interested but then to kind of go around and get involved in something with poor optics like this seems kind of unbecome well, it, it doesn't seem consistent with kind of the brand so to speak mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
and I don't know. It's a. Uh, it just seems like it's kind of a hot mess right now, and um, people. The, I do want to just. People really seem to like this guy's music. I don't know if I've ever heard anything by the 1975, but I have. I know multiple people, like friends and uh, like coworkers and stuff, who are really big into this guy's stuff. So apparently, there's there's at least like something appealing to like the general person about this guy. Um, I don't know if that means anything, but yeah, I mean, he. I mean, he might have a good voice and might make good music. It's just he is a problematic person. Um, and it's uh, it's just interesting. Oh, I remember why I brought this up. There was an article released mm. that, like, here's the thing. I could be completely wrong about this. I feel like if there is a story about a celebrity that gets published, that the celebrity doesn't want to have published when they are as famous as Taylor Swift, they can kind of control things from being published about them. Um, not like, I mean, they can't stop people from tweeting like, oh, you're bad at whatever. But like, if like Vice or or BuzzFeed is going to post like, uh, hey, between songs at every concert, she runs backstage to make out with Matt Healy before she goes out for the next song because they can't stay off each other. And sources close to Taylor confirm that sometimes they'll even kiss with tongue if the break is more than 45 seconds. Like, it's so weirdly specific that I feel like Taylor Swift has control. (laughs) Right. I feel like Taylor Swift has some level of control over the releasing of that. And the fact that she had, she's okay with that being released or just hasn't commented on it. And it's like one of the most read articles of the last week on Vice and BuzzFeed. And I'm just like, it just... These are two humans in their mid-30s who are, like, sounding like middle school or high schoolers who can't stay off each other. And it's so funny to me. Mm-hmm. It just, it cracks me up. I do not want to pretend to know what is going on in either of these people's minds. But I, I will say I am content to stay out of it. And that is, that is my hard line on the, um, on, the, on the thing. Do you have a bomb, Tom? Or was Gladiator 2 Maximus Goes to Hell? Was that the bomb? Um, well, I do have a bomb. But Excuse Michael, me, Gladiators. Gladiators. Michael, did you have any other questions? About Taylor Swift and her... Life, no. which we know so very much about for either zach or i yeah any other no the uh the defendant rests your honor or well, the defense that's good i don't have very a gavel well. i have a screwdriver so i'm gonna bang the screwdriver down case dismissed all righty here we go are you ready yes sir so here's my pitch basically it's called the monster mash is a graveyard smash And it's all of the classic universal horror monsters. Dracula, Mummy, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It would be a comedy with slices of horror, but mainly it's about Dracula trying to get the old band back together. (laughs) Each creature has their place in the band. 
Dracula is the frontman singer, Mummy's on keyboard, Wolfman on drums, Frankenstein's monster on lead guitar, Black Lagoon on bass. I've mapped this all out. Any specific reasoning behind any of those positions? Basically, I want you to imagine uh, the movie Walk Hard. Okay. 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 I With... will say, I will say, John C. Riley gives me more of a Frankenstein vibe than a than a uh, Dracula vibe, but I'm still tracking. The band is playing in the final scene at a packed stadium, and they play their final Monster Mash show. Tell Ooh. me, it's a bad movie, Zach. Try. I li- I like this. I do indeed like this. Does all of the Monster Mash bands? songs do they all sound like uh boris what's his name uh johnson no not boris johnson not boris karloff the the monster mash singer uh boris bobby pickett do do they all sound like him does 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 dracula sing like that guy not necessarily unless you want him to okay what what's the what's the general uh, genre of the this band rock okay are we doing like a companion album with with the movie yes are we doing any live performances like no. outside of I mean if the actors want to I guess okay I'm thinking like good morning America sort of like we get we get all of these people we get Jeremy Strong as Dracula to 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 do a little song. Uh, I I say Jeremy Strong as Dracula because in the last couple seasons, last couple episodes of Succession, Jeremy Strong was giving a strong Dracula vibe, and I I would I think that he could be a good Drac Dracul. I don't I don't I don't I don't disagree. Okay, we got Jeremy Strong as Dracula. Uh, you know what? John C. Riley as Frankenstein. Okay. We need a Wolfman. Who, who, do, who would we want to be a Wolfman? I think the only person you could include as a Wolfman in a situation like this is someone who remembers all too well how to be a Wolfman and maybe even a Shark Boy. That's right. Taylor Lautner. Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Okay, I'm I'm good. On, I'm good with this. All right, we need the the swamp creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, this could be this could be someone mocapping. This could be someone in a costume, and then the voice provided after the fact. I think um, Nicholas Cage is in it. Nick Cage. See, I would be okay with Nick Cage's Dracula though. Okay. I know he's done it already. I'm just saying, if Nick Cage is in it, delightful. If I have to put Nick Cage and Jeremy Strong together against each other for the part of Dracula, Cage is going to win that fight every single time. Or Nick Cage is like the manager, and he's playing Nick Cage. It's an unbearable weight of massive talent scenario again, where Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage, manager of the Monster Mash. Hmm. I want Nick Cage in it. I want... No, I will kick Jeremy Strong out. Nick Cage as Dracula, John C. Riley as Frankenstein, uh, Taylor Lautner as the Wolfman. Let's say uh, as the Mummy. Let's do. Uh, let's get Rami. We'll get Rami Malek refilling his his Night at the Museum role as a Mummy. 
and there we, we've got our band and then at for the for the manager i want i don't want a jeremy strong type i want or a nick cage type i want someone who's like sort of like sort of wild and british and sort of like an sort of like and then the bride of sorry the bride of frankenstein is on the tambourine backup vocals because we need a woman sorry i just sure 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 hannah hannah waddingham as the bride of frankenstein sure or or Catherine Hahn as the Bride of Frankenstein. Um and then uh uh and then uh we need I want like someone old and British to be the manager. Someone old and British but decidedly not like too classy. Like someone sort of like Mick Jaggerish. Like uh like Hugh Laurie. Yeah, or a Hugh Laurie or a Hugh maybe yeah, I'd say Hugh Laurie over Hugh Grant. Get Potentially a Hugh Laurie. even Colin Firth. Colin Firth's a little too uptight. I feel like a Hugh Laurie can slum it enough to the be this manager. By the way, as I mentioned, rewatching Veep, Hugh Laurie is fantastic in Veep. He's so good in that show. Um Go watch Veep, everybody. Um good show it's like if the west wing but everybody hated each other it's fantastic um i like it tom i'm gonna say that this is a go this is back to back i don't know if i've ever had back to back successes you you uh we're gonna give this to ridley or to clint either ridley scott or clint eastwood this movie will be done by the end of next week tom hooray well everyone um Michael, now the majority single shareholder of the show, uh, has decided that he is going to uh, put us on a little bit of a hiatus for the next couple months. And so uh, that said, so yes, we are not going to uh, do, I, I started that as a joke, but it, there is some serious to it. We, summer schedules get really wild. Um there are, there are some projects that Tom and I both want to pursue both on mic and off that would maybe get in the way of, of, of a weekly recording schedule during the summer. So we are going to take a bit of a break, uh, for most of the summer. However, we will not leave you completely empty handed, uh, sometime. And, and we also want to name that this has, this has everything to do with the fans and it is their fault. Yes, it is, it is your fault. Mommy and Daddy are splitting up, and it is your fault. However, um, we have a little special little something that we are just about to start work on uh, that will be coming to this main podcast feed within the next month or two. Um, we are going to do a little short... Album. Uh, al- not an album. Uh, 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 Dungeons & Dragons little mini series the pl- the plan is to do this we have not put any tracks down for it yet so who knows how it'll end up but we are planning to do maybe a five or six episode dungeons and dragons mini series featuring myself and tom and a couple other friends of the show um and we're going to start recording that in about a month and then hopefully in a couple months we will have enough episodes to post and uh, we're also planning on doing just some one-off episodes throughout the summer, sort of the normal show format, uh, maybe a little bit more focused on uh, movies that have just come out or um, things in current events that are happening. We know we everyone loved our big Comic-Con episode. It, so. it, just, it might not be a variety hour. It just might be a little bit of 
a, f a nugget of fool's gold. So those are things to look forward to. But uh, for the next month or so, uh, no, you're episode. on your own. You're on your own. You will have to find someone else or listen to the the the, the highlights, the best ofs of this. Yeah. This podcast, you know, go back, and, go back and pick a fave. Pick a favorite you, episode. You, you saved a note in your phone with the timestamps of your favorite bits. We're not going to put one of those together for you, but you basically did it yourself. You you're perfectly able of doing it yourself. There, Michael, we've had we've had some good bits. We we had the time where 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 Zach did a hit. Uh, we, did, we had we did hit someone. Yes. We had the time where I um, dropped my ice cream on the sidewalk. There's the time where Zach helped an old lady uh, live on mm -hmm. air. There mm -hmm. was a time where Michael was a guest and and he was seeing if he could how he how, he was seeing how successfully he could cut in line at uh, Starbucks. Um, and we got it all on air. And you remember the episode and you can go find it. I'm going to thank Michael for being on the show now. Michael, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. And apparently giving me full summer ownership rights. So I guess I'll have to be responsible for the content pipeline now for the next several months until this uh, short D&D campaign comes along. There's so. there's one other person we do have to thank, and Michael will have to make the ruling on if he stays on, but we do have to give a shout out to Craig. Yeah, yeah. How could we have not mentioned Craig at this point? Jeez. Jeez, I'm sorry, Craig. Uh, Craig is, Michael, just so you know, and I have not handed over all of our books yet. Craig is the biggest single financial burden on the production of this show. In fact, 98.6% of all budget is goes directly to Craig. Yeah, I I lost a bet to Craig and I have to put his uh I have to put his kids through college now, but I've been funneling those costs through the show. And I intend to keep it that way. So I'm going to I'm going to hope that you can you can cover us on that one. Uh, sounds like paying for Craig is quite the burden, but um, I'll see what I can do. Craig is our producer. He is indeed our producer. And we could and we couldn't do it without him. So. <laughs> uh, that in. Yeah, I've been I've been cutting a lot of coughs out of this episode, but um, <laughs> we couldn't. We couldn't do it without him, and then a pregnant pause, and then Zach hacking. Yeah, I'm not doing well, so uh, that's why that's the real reason. The D and D thing's a hoax. Zach yeah. is on his deathbed. Yeah, I won't live to see any future episodes. So, dang. So, with that, on that note, thanks for listening. We'll see you when we see you.